guys around here, and, and I think elsewhere, not just here, but um, uh, we, we, we decry, we, um, we, we hate the idea of consumerism. Everything's becoming such a consumerist. Just hate that consumerism. Well, I want to give you a chance at just a piece of self-examination. Um, where are you serving? If not anywhere, then I think you need to consider at least the possibility that the consumerism that you so decry you are a part of. Guys, everybody in this building needs to be serving someplace. Someplace. Maybe not inside this building. But everywhere. Everybody, everywhere, somewhere needs to be um, giving back the very essence of the gospel for God so loved that he gave. So, just a, a thought for the day. Now, you follow as I read um, from Hebrews chapter 11, my text is uh, pretty brief. It's only one verse. So you um, stay with me as I read verse 4. It reads like this. By faith, Abel offered to God a more acceptable sacrifice than Cain, through which he was commended as righteous. God commending him By accepting his gifts. And through his faith, though he died, he still speaks. The grass withers and the flower fades. But the word of our God, this word, this endures forever. Guys, we are studying the book of Hebrews, and um, we've gotten all the way to chapter 11, a chapter which is uh, famous, it's called the Hall of Fame of Faith, and and I told you when when I introduced it several weeks ago, that one of the things that you get out of um, this book, by the way, I'm moving behind the pulpit because a lady told me Wednesday night she couldn't see me down there, and I'm so cute. Uh, I don't like you that you laughed at that. Um, <clears throat> I, I told you that uh, Hebrews 11, one of the things that you're going to get out of it is, it is an introduction to the, a brief survey of the Old Testament. What the author does in Hebrews 11 is that he is giving examples, names, events, um, that his audience would have recognized immediately. And he's using these names and these, these events to illustrate the principle that he articulates in verse 38 of chapter 10. I told you that 1038, that chapter 11 is a commentary on 1038, the just shall live by faith. And so what he does is he uses events and stories and names from the Old Testament that his audience would have recognized and uses them to give examples of what it means to live by faith. Now, whereas his audience might have um, known these names and events very well, 
I'm not so sure everybody here knows those events and those names as well. So if not, um, we're going we're gonna to take a we're going to take this chance to get to know some of them, and you're going to need your Old Testament for that. Now, so I would suggest to you that you um, find Genesis chapter 4, because that's where this story is. The story um, alluded to in Hebrews 11 is found in Genesis 4. It is the story of Cain and Abel, the first 16 verses of Genesis 4. Um, Now, guys, the first human that was ever born to two humans is a guy by the name of Cain. His mom and daddy, Adam and Eve. We, We won't go into how they did that. But you must understand that the first human that was born to two humans is this fellow Cain. Now, um, they had other children, uh, probably several others, but they don't get listed. But one of them does. One of their other children does get mentioned, and that was Cain's younger brother, Abel. So you have a story of a brother and his younger brother. And I want you to notice that this story takes place in Genesis 4. Guys, we're only two chapters in. I I say two chapters because the first two chapters of Genesis are about creation. So we're only two chapters into the story of redemption, and you probably would have anticipated that once sin entered in Genesis 3, that we would immediately be given instructions how we might get back to God once sin has separated us. And that's what you do get in Genesis 4. You get instructions as to how the sinner can get back to God. But you got to see this. The backdrop, the occasion, the event is a homicide. A murder. Um, The storyline of this story is that Cain kills Abel. That's the story. But why? Why did he kill him? Well, we're going to come to that later on because that really is the essence of the story. But you've got to notice this, guys. This person who was the first human being that came from two other human beings, Adam and Eve, the first human being born to them is a murderer. Who taught him that? Who taught him how to do that? I mean, he couldn't blame his alcoholic parents or his bad potty training. Nobody needed to train him. Because he had his own sin coursing through his own veins. 
Gang, once sin entered in Genesis chapter 3, every human being since then, starting with number one, Cain, all the way down to me and you, we bring with us down the birth canal a nature, a predisposition, a love for sin. We have a a bent to sinning. Augustine coined a phrase that has been used by every theologian that I've ever read. Luther uses it a good deal um, in his commentary on Romans. Jonathan Edwards uses it. It's, um, it's a Latin phrase, in curvatuse. He's trying to describe our nature when we enter this world, and he calls it in curvatuse. And it's a, it's a Latin phrase which, which simply means curved inward on ourselves. Adam and Eve didn't teach Cain that. He had it when he arrived. Guys, when the Youngs were still living in uh, Florida, we lived in a, uh, in Ocala, Florida, and we had our three daughters there. And, and their best friends, our, our three girls' best friends, were our next-door neighbors, the Benzics. We loved the Benzics, still love the Benzics. They had two kids, Chris and Kelly, and our kids play together all the time. We still love them all. Chris and Kelly and Janet and Bill, just great friends. But in an example of um, <clears throat> very poor parenting, we allowed our kids to play in this thing, in, in what we call the woods. Um, and, and they weren't about 100 yards from our house, but <laughs> you had to cross a street to get to them. And we ah, go ahead, go ahead, go ahead, we're all playing in the wood. <laughs> so our kids spent a lot of time playing in those woods, and then we just loved it. But anyway, one, one day I'm out in the front yard, and I'm, I'm just doing some yard work, and, and Megan, my middle child, comes out of the woods, and uh, she's carrying a turtle shell. Now, there was no turtle in it. I mean, that turtle was long since eaten. It was an empty turtle shell, but it was a pretty big, I mean, it was about that big. It was, a, it was a nice turtle shell. And so I see her coming up, you know, the 100 yards, and there she comes. In. And, and I said, just inquisitively, I said, Megan, where, 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 did, where, did you get that, where did you get that turtle shell? And apparently, uh, Megan, um, because of my deep and thunderous voice, Megan thought she was in trouble. And so she begins to lie to me where it came from. I just saw her walking out of the woods with the thing. And she's lying to me about where she got it. That wasn't good. But, but in the subsequent hours and days, I, 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 I thought about that, and I, I wondered, where did she learn that? You know, if, very likely she learned how to be arrogant from me. 
I mean, she learned how to be selfish from me, her daddy. But she didn't learn how to lie from me. I had never lied to her. She had never heard me lie. Folks, we don't have to teach our kids how to sin. They already know how. They brought it with them, just like Cain. In fact, Paul um, describes this in Ephesians 2, verse 3. He says, we are by nature children of wrath. We come into this world ill-prepared to leave it. And if you want a if you want a theological term for that, it's called original sin. And it is dramatically on display in human being number one. You know, guys, I hope that the, the only thing that can subdue my will to sin, my, my love of sin, is grace. We parents, we try. We'll try harder. But you need to know this. Your child is born with the same heart that Cain had. And only the sovereign exchange of that heart of stone, replacing it with the heart of flesh, will change them. And if you want another theological term, that term is called regeneration. Regeneration sovereignly granted by a God of grace. Now, now guys, um, that brings us to the why. Why did Cain kill Abel? Because that's the essence of the story. Stay with me. Both of these boys in this story brought an offering. Verse 3, chapter 4, verse 3. They knew that to approach God, they needed to bring something. Um, both boys were religious. I mean, Cain was not some kind of uh, godless heathen. Uh, he wanted the same things that his brother Abel wanted. They wanted a healthy relationship with God. But their approaches to God differed widely, greatly. Cain, the older brother, firstborn, Cain brings a basket of fruit. Now, it's nice fruit. I mean, it's pretty fruit. I didn't spoil for it. I mean, it's, it's first fruits. It's nice, nice basket of fruit. Abel, the younger boy, he brought blood. Um, it was a beautiful basket of fruit versus a bloody mess. Now, where did Abel learn that? Where did Abel get the idea of, 
bringing this bloody mess before God. Well, gang, we're not told in this story. We're not told that uh, in chapter 4 in the story. But we are told it. But the answer to where did he learn that comes in chapter 3. I don't know whether you've ever seen this part, but if your Bibles are still open, look at chapter 3, Genesis 3, verse 21. This has to do with Abel's and Cain's parents, Adam and Eve. And we're told in verse 21, Genesis 3, 21, and the Lord God made for Adam and for his wife garments of skins and clothed them. Guys, we don't know what God said to them in Genesis, to Adam and Eve in Genesis 3. But we do know what Adam and Eve saw. And we know what God did. Um, they witnessed, Adam and Eve, witnessed the shedding of blood. After which... Garments were made from the animal skins. And those garments were put on, Adam and Eve, by God. Adam and Eve knew that their efforts to cover their nakedness, their shame, their sin. You remember that fig leaf stuff? That hadn't worked. Um... They knew as a result of this 321 event that the only thing that would cover them was something that, that God provided. And he, he got it after blood had been spilled. Something, by the way, that they had never seen before. Blood? What is that? We don't know what God said to them, but we know what Adam and Eve witnessed and experienced. They watched God shed blood, and then as a result of that shed blood, making garments of animal skins to clothe them. And that, ladies and gentlemen, is what they taught their boys. That's what Adam and Eve taught their boys. And their son Abel, the younger one, the one that got killed, Abel believed mom and dad. But Cain did not. The firstborn. Either he didn't believe him or he thought he knew better. Because Cain then invents what he thought was a superior way to get back to God. I mean, who needs blood? Blah! I mean, that's so disgusting. And besides, there's more than one way back to God. In fact, there's many ways back to God. There's many ways to God. Those words that Daddy keeps using and that Abel talks about, by faith? That doesn't make any sense to me. 
So I know what I'm doing. I don't care what you're doing. I'm going to come with fruit. I'm going to come on my own terms. I'm going to do this the way I want to do it. The way I think it should be done. The way I decide that God is to be approached. And as a result of that, ladies and gentlemen, Cain becomes the father of all man-made religions. All of them. Um, no matter which one you might, uh, might think of, he's the father. He's the father of the religion that, that some of you have right now. Oh, yours may be more sophisticated. I mean, surely. I mean, fruit. How silly, Cain. But the thing that you have in common with Cain is that you've designed your own. I got my own way to get back to God. Oh, Cain wanted to be religious. Um, and so do you. But Cain's going to do it his way. And what he offered was the product of the sweat of his brow. You know, guys, never am I more comfortable than when I'm um, relying on my own efforts. That's my sweet spot. Just like Cain. This by faith stuff, that doesn't make any sense to me. And so I've set out to design my own. And invariably, the one Cain designed and the one that you designed is one that includes no blood. Guys, um, Abel, <clears throat> on the other hand, that's the younger brother, the one that got killed, murdered. Abel believed what his daddy taught him, what his daddy had learned from the garden. Abel didn't try to rely on some kind of common sense. Abel was responding to revelation. Revelation that God had given to his daddy and his daddy had given to him. And Abel responded to that revelation that he got from God 
through his father. Gang, hear me. The dominant feature of faith is responding to revelation. Somebody said this, and I'm quoting, and I I forget who said it, but he said, faith is the righteous reflex to revelation. And and when I, (coughs) pardon me, when I say revelation, I'm talking about this book. Faith is the righteous reflex to revelation. My daddy got something from God? And I'm going to act on that. And that, ladies and gentlemen, is what made Abel's sacrifice acceptable to God when his brothers was rejected. It was not that Abel's was better qualitatively or quantitatively. It was better by faith. It was not that Abel was a better person. Abel had the same heart pumping in him that his brother Cain had. But you see, he understood that God's way back for the sinner to himself. God's way back to God for the sinner was going to involve the shedding of blood. A substitutionary death was going to be required somehow. And of course, I hope you see this. But it was a prefigurement of what Christ would ultimately accomplish. But if I'm going to get back to God, I am going to have to rely on something that God provides. Because all of my human effort is worthless. Do you know that? Ladies and gentlemen, in the history of mankind, there have always been two and only two alternatives offered for approaching God, no matter what world religion you're thinking about. Mormonism, oh, they look so sweet on their bicycles. It's the religion of Cain. Islam, with the five pillars, it's the religion of Cain. Hinduism, it's the religion of Cain. Ladies and gentlemen, there's only two options. One option, Abel's, rested on what God said. The other one, Cain's. It rests on what man does, what he thinks, what he concocts. World religions differ only in what they ask men to do. They all say, Something in my hand I bring. Something that I produced by the sweat of my brow. I'm trusting in something other than shed blood 
or something in addition to shed blood. Only Christianity says, nothing in my hand I bring. Simply to thy cross I cling. The world scoffs at that, ladies and gentlemen. Um, and even worse. It persecutes that. You're told in this story that Cain finds his brother out in the field and he kills him. And now you know why. Gang, it, it, it shouldn't surprise us that Cain killed Abel. Do you hear me? It shouldn't surprise us. Religion has always hated Christianity, and it still does. Because of Abel's obedience to rely on God-provided blood, He lost his life. You know, guys, um, I could show you, I could put up here a YouTube that shows you 21 Coptic Christians being beheaded on a shore, on a beach in Libya in April of 20, 2015 um, by ISIS. I could show you that. But I'm not. It's too gory. But you can find it yourself if you want. But I am going to show you one slide. But before I do, I want to warn you. All I'm trying to say is religion hates Christianity and always has. But this screen is shocking. Can you read it? If Mary had had an abortion, we wouldn't be in this mess. Now, let me point this out. This is not in relationship to the marches that took place over the inauguration weekend. You can see a man in the back with shorts on. This took place someplace else in this country at another time. Thank you. Take that down. I don't want you to look at that. It's it's too awful. But you know, ladies and gentlemen, the beheadings on the beach in Libya, that demonstration will probably, will probably never happen in Germantown, at least El Cairoville, at least I hope not. But let me tell you what happens in Germantown all the time. The religion of Cain. People who are trusting in something that is the product of the sweat of their brow. And that's what I'm going to take into the presence of God. 
the religion of Abel. It was accepted because his offering pointed to Christ, to the shed blood of Christ. And he offered it, that is, Abel offered it by faith. Every person in this room is trusting in either the religion of Cain or the religion of Abel. But may I humbly point out to you only one of those is acceptable to God. And the one that is involves the shedding of the blood of an innocent victim as a substitute payment for my sin. And I embrace that by faith. If you are doing that, Our great ancestor is a man by the name of Abel. Our Father, would you remind your people that the only access available to you is one that is um, marked off by the shed blood of an innocent victim, Christ Jesus the Lord that we are made acceptable not because we're better than Cain we're made acceptable because Christ is the better sacrifice the better substitute the only way that we have a right to stand in your presence Father for those that you brought here this morning who have not yet seen that they uh, they have in their possession a man-made religion show it to them now Show it to them so that they can see how, how grievous it is and how quickly they should discard it only to replace it with Christ and him crucified. Do that, O oh God, for Jesus' sake. We pray in his name.